Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, it's Bucks at the New York Jets this Sunday, 1 o'clock. Not, not sure exactly who the Bucks will have with them as we try to navigate their uh, injury situation and also their COVID situation. I'll tell you, it was weird. On Thursday, we're out there and practice is over, and we start to do interviews sort of under the awning, as they say, uh, which is adjacent to the practice field. And after you know talking to Byron Lepwich and, and a couple people, we look out there, and there is a dude running routes um, with Ryan Griffin throwing him the football, and maybe about a, a dozen and a half or so, he was gassed, and he takes off his helmet, and it's Mike Evans. <laughs> it was, I was not prepared for it. I thought Mike Evans went on the COVID list on Monday. So get this, Steve Bursnick. So now we know that you know the league has adopted the new uh, CDC recommendation of protocol being five days isolated if you have a positive test, no test required to come back. Uh, after five days, you're clear. Um, that sort of thing. So I was under the assumption that Mike, you know, was put on the list on Monday, which would mean that Saturday would probably be the earliest he could um, come back because that's five days later. Well, instead, he was out there, like I said, um, not not just off the COVID list, but I was also out there running, which was which was interesting because he's coming off the hamstring injury, and so I got a clarification. Now get this, so. Because he took a home COVID test that was approved by the NFL on Christmas Eve, which was last Friday, his five-day clock actually retroactively started last Friday. <laughs> so, wow. so, it, so, so now you can just take a home test and say, "Yeah, nah, you know, it came back, it came back uh, positive." So, you know, I took one. Oh, I took one way back on Friday, so I should be good, right? That's that's five days. We are on the honor system now, folks. We we have gone from, you know, let's all have vaccination cards and boosters or whatever to uh oh yeah, the home test, yeah, you know, we can we can retroactively start your clock then. Which hey, you know, it's a it's a huge huge advantage for Tampa Bay if if he's able to play. And and I would suspect and I don't, you know, as we do this podcast, we're not sure what the final um, you know, who's in, who's out. Uh, but I do know this about Mike Evans. One, he's a gamer. He wants to play every game. And two, that record means a lot to him. He's 101 yards away from 9,000 or eight straight 1,000-yard seasons to start his career. He's always got, he's got the record more than Randy Moss. He's got seven in a row. And you can't guarantee that he's going to get 101 yards in a final game against Atlanta. You really can't. So you can't. I can see – but remember Tom he, Brady getting Antonio Brown his bonus. Oh right? yeah. Yes, I do. And and but that that was catches and so he ran like four pop passes or whatever and he got his he got his you know got up to whatever it was 45 or whatever he needed for the $250,000 bonus. But I just I would imagine that Evans would want to play some if he can against the Jets so that it's not all on 
the final game against Carolina, which, you know, would you leave him in there for the record if it's the fourth quarter and the game's at hand and you can't improve your, you know, your NFC seed and, and risk an injury? Remember, a year ago, it was almost cataclysmic, right? He caught the ball that put him over the top for 1,000 yards, and I believe it was a touchdown, and he hyperextended his knee. Remember that against Atlanta? And everybody thought, uh-oh, he's out for the playoffs. Somehow he made it. That looked horrible, but he made it back against the against Washington and caught a touchdown pass in that uh, wild-card playoff game. So, um, you know, he has come back from injury before. I, I just don't. I'm a little surprised at how this whole thing went down. I was so confused. It was like, wait a minute. You guys just told us he was on the COVID list on Monday, and he's out here sort of running routes. But it's it's a huge psychological boost. And if he can play, I mean, you've had, you would have him, Brashard Perriman. Now, we don't know about Antonio Brown as we do this podcast. He, has not, he did not practice on Thursday. Uh, the ankle, he's still listed as having an ankle injury. He was, he was uh, uh, sort of, I think he was limited the day before that. So we'll have to see if, if, if that was aggravated in any way when he, when he played the game on Sunday at Carolina. But if, you'd have, if you would have him and, and Mike Evans, Brashard Perriman's back. We saw what Saul Grace, Cyril Grayson was able to do. So, you know, I mean, you're never going to replace Chris Godwin, and, and we know that, and you still don't have Leonard Fournette. Uh, but the two running backs ran pretty well. I mean, it would be a, a pretty big lift, even though it's against the Jets team, that I think they could beat – without Mike Evans. And I would be really nervous about playing a guy unless unless he feels like he's 100%. The one thing I can say for sure, and maybe this will change over the next few days, his wind was not what it should be. Like he would run one or two routes and have to take a knee. And you could tell that he was gassed. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I guess that's probably why you'd want to, if he can play this week, get him back in this week so that you're starting to yeah. knock some of that rust off. Mm-hmm. He's getting back in shape. Right. And then, you know, maybe you sit him for the final week knowing you've got a playoff game the next week if you don't get the one seed, which we assume Green Bay is going to get. Right. And we and Green Bay may have it wrapped up by this weekend, I believe. Right. I, th- I think there's a way for them to. They can clinch the one seed. Yeah. You could probably still improve your seed with some help, mm-hmm. maybe even as far as late as the final game against Carolina, but we won't know that until after Sunday's game. Right. And And you'd like to go into – that week 17 game or week 18, your 17th game, being able to rest some guys if you need or sit them after a quarter, a half. Right. You, you know, someone particularly like a Mike Evans coming off an injury. So if you can get him in some this week, some next week, or maybe even yeah. skip next week, I think that's a win for the Bucks. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and like I said, I mean, this Jets team, even though they're coming off a win against Jacksonville, look, Zach Wilson is still a rookie quarterback. I know mm-hmm. they got – Guys like Flacco and Mike White that can step in there. This last game, I mean, I was just looking at his numbers. I think he has seven touchdown passes and like 11 interceptions this year. Of course, he missed a lot of time um, with an injury. But they're they're kind of beat up. I mean, their wide receiver, Jamison Crowder, is questionable. Um, they don't have uh, Elijah Moore, who is one of their best players. Um, you know, offensively, I think their tight end is questionable. Defensively, they, were, they had, you know, Sheldon Rankins and, and uh, Quentin Williams is out. So they're kind of a they're kind of a mess. They're not a great football team. You should be able to go up there even without Mike Evans. If you had Perriman, maybe Brown, Cyril Grayson, if you had Ronald Jones and um, you know Keyshawn Vaughn and and Gronkowski looks okay and Cameron Bray. I think you should still be able to go up there 
uh, and take care of the Jets, you know, um, even even without your full deck. But, um, you know, psychologically and, 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 you know, if Mike can come back and, and maybe have 40, 50 yards receptions, maybe he plays the first half in the final game and get him out of there, he gets his 1,000 yards. You know, you don't want to – you don't want to press this too much for history, but it is history, right? I mean, and I've talked to him about it. Like it, it I've said to him, would you rather, you know, this was a year ago because he was playing kind of beat up and he was like, look, I don't want to miss games. And, and, you know, he had to share the wealth with um, Gronkowski last year with, you know, Fournette to some extent with a lot of guys and he wasn't being selfish about it, but he wanted to, you know, he wanted that record. And he said, you know, a thousand yard seasons means an awful lot to him. So, I know he would like to get it this year, and it might be easier to do it over the course of two games and kind of play him, you know, sparingly and not put too much of a heavy, a heavy workload on him as opposed to saying, okay, you need 101 yards in this final game against Carolina or you don't get the 1,000. That might be a lot more pressure, and you might have to force him the ball, and that means more contact and all that stuff. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It was a, it was a great surprise if you're a Buccaneers fan. Um, you know, like I said, Bobby Slater was out there, the trainer. He did not look gimpy at all. I mean, when I watched him run and cut, he, he didn't look like he was favoring anything as far as a hamstring goes, and he absolutely uh, was tired, which you'd expect because, one, he hasn't played in a little while, and, two, he's coming off some kind of, of a COVID infection, so there might be some residual you know, tiredness and fatigue and um, that sort of thing. But it doesn't take these guys very long to get their wind back and get back in shape, and I, I kind of – you know, as we do this podcast, I man, I kind of think he's going to be available on Sunday, but we'll see. Maybe they'll maybe they'll err on the side of caution. There's still a chance for guys like, you know, Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean um, to come back on Sunday. Their five days will be up. They'll have to take a, you know, a private jet, which I'm sure that that the Bucks would provide. Bruce Arians could be part of that too. You know, somebody was asking me, and 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 again, this all could change, but somebody was asking me the other day, like. Would Arians just like Harold Goodwin take it? You know, like you've been here all week. Uh, he's been out with COVID. Goodwin is is a guy that wants to be a head coach in this league. Um, would like an interview. Could you just you know let him get the sort of the limelight on the sidelines and make those tough decisions, um, just to show other owners that hey, here's a guy that you might want to consider. And my answer to that was is is. As noble as that sounds, if Bruce Arians can be with his team on Sunday, he's going to be with his team on Sunday <laughs> because um, that's what he's, you know, he's the head coach. And the head coach needs to make the decisions to go on fourth down or, to, you know, uh, who to play and when to play them. And um, so I, I do think that, that, you know, while Bruce is letting them go ahead with practices and stuff, um, I'm, I'm not so sure that he's taking himself out of this game. I'm pretty sure – that once he gets rid of that nagging cough that he had, if he's asymptomatic after five days, he's going to want to he's going to want to coach against the Jets. So we'll see. But man, it was a it was a kind of a, a an unexpected and, and if you're a Bucks fan, a welcoming sign to see Mike Evans not only back from COVID but also running routes. Uh, as far as uh, you know, there are two coordinators. We had a chance to talk to them on Thursday, and as expected, I don't know what my expectations were. That certainly weren't very high, but. Um, neither guy really wanted to talk about their opportunity that they have to interview for the Jacksonville Jaguars job. That's sort of the etiquette of the NFL. You know, you, you don't talk about a job you don't have. You focus on the one you do have and try to do it to the best of your ability. I get that. Um, but by the same token, it, you know, 
you, you can you can still say you're flattered to be asked, right? You can still say, well, I'm, I'm going to interview virtually, you know, on this day or whatever. But all that Byron Leftwich would say, he actually took it to another level, which I kind of disagree with. He says, I think it would be an insult to the New York Jets, who they play this Sunday, if I were to sit here and talk about, you know, my opportunity to interview someplace else. Like, I got all my focus on the Jets. All I care is about Sunday. That's where I'm putting on yeah, okay. I don't, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think that's going to be bulletin board material if if they have quotes from Byron Leftwich saying, you know, I'm flattered that uh, the Jaguars think enough of me to, to interview me for their head coaching job. It's not like they're going to say, ah, look at look at this guy. He's not even concentrating on us. He doesn't think we're very good. That's that would not happen. But I understand, and I'm not surprised that he that he didn't want to address it simply because they do have a game, and that's sort of been. You know Byron's focus, and the same was true with Todd Bowles, who, you know, uh, had no interest in talking about being a head coach. And I've talked to bo- both these guys. I've said it on this podcast. I'll say it one more time. I think it's hard for Bowles because he's a defensive coach. If you're talking about Jacksonville, you're talking about the number one priority is what? If you're Shad Khan, it's hey, how can we get Trevor Lawrence to be everything we think he was when we drafted him number one overall? Transitional quarterback, generational quarterback. Who do we need to do that? Well, if you're a defensive coach like Todd Bowles, you better have that answer because it's not you. Okay, you're the head coach, but you're a defensive background. Who are you bringing on the staff? Who can you guarantee us is going to come in here and make this quarterback all he can be? And if you don't have that answer and you don't have those guys, not just an idea of who you would bring, but who you actually would have locked up and say, no, this guy's coming with me then that's a tough sell. And and as far as Byron goes, you know, it, it almost makes too much sense, right? Like a guy that was drafted there, uh, played, you know, four or five seasons as a quarterback, um, just the opposite of Urban Meyer, right? A guy that's, uh, uh, you know, very inclusive with his players, a player's coach, if you will, a guy who played quarterback at the NFL level for Jacksonville, saw the game from behind center, um, you know, just and, and and you tend, you know, you tend to get, you tend to get the opposite of what you had, right? They got they got a college coach. Now this is an NFL guy. They got an experienced, established guy. Now this would be a first time head coach, but he's an NFL quarterback, and I don't think that's a small thing. And whatever Byron left, which whatever he thought he was uh, two years ago, um, you know, after taking Jameis Winston and, and the thirty interceptions and you know led the league in passing and all that. But it didn't didn't want enough to save Jameis. Whatever you thought he was then, he's totally better now because he has spent two years with Tom Brady, seeing the game in a totally different light, um, winning a Super Bowl with him, working with him every day. He has a much better grasp of you know the quarterback position, even above and beyond what he experienced as a player. So I think you're getting a better coach than you would have gotten two years ago. And I, I do know that he's a people person and he's going to get along with everybody. He's going to be unifying, which seems to be what, you know, the Jaguars need. Having said that, they've asked to talk to eight different coaches, you know, from around the league, including guys that aren't employed. Um, you know, so it's, you know, he's got a one in eight chance, basically. We're a long way from uh, Jacksonville making a decision. And the Raiders have not begun their process because they're still trying to make the playoffs with Rich Passaccia. They said they will wait until the end of the year. But that's the update uh, with respect to the coordinators. Uh, not much comment there from them, which is fine. We'll be following that, I think, throughout the offseason until Jacksonville either eliminates those guys or, or hires, uh, you know, hires a head coach. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. So what I'm really looking forward to uh, as far as today goes is the college football playoffs. They begin at 3 o'clock. The first game is Cincinnati against Alabama, the big uh, – you know, the big bad bullies from the Southeastern Conference. And we talked to Matt Baker the other day, Steve Versnick. You know Cincinnati really well because you're a Cincinnati fan. Luke Fickle, of course, you've been talking about for years. He has built what he hopes is a top 10 program every single year. Um, they've certainly done that for a number of years in a row. I think when I heard an interview with him, the one thing he said was he doesn't believe his players that have had the success over the last four or five years in that program, that when they see those red helmets, they're not going to go into a shell. They're not going to be intimidated by Alabama because I could see where that would be difficult for some teams, although big brand teams have lost and lost badly to them as well, whether you're talking about Notre Dame or others. But I could see where you know a group of five team would go in there and say, holy moly, we got Nick Saban and there's those big, bad Alabama guys. I If they, if they can weather you know, this, that, that emotion in the first couple of series, right, and, and not give up big plays early and get way behind on the scoreboard, I think Alabama might be a little surprised by how good Cincinnati is. I, I think early on it's, it's going to – look, Cincinnati's going to come in. There's going to be some butterflies. You're going to look around. Sure. You're at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. You're playing yeah. Alabama. You know yeah. that you lose tonight, <laughs> your season's over. Yeah. But the one advantage they do have – is that they played at Notre Dame this year. They played Georgia in the Peach Bowl last year. Yeah. Uh, They've played some big games in some big venues. Mm -hmm. And I think they have enough good players and leaders that have, you know, there's they've taken a team that was awful when Luke Fickle took over. Right. And these guys are now seniors and have built this program up, and they've handled the pressure of this all year long. You know, I I think – it's it's a little understated at times. The pressure that Cincinnati had on, I mean, they were expected to compete for the playoff from the beginning of the season. They started off, what, eighth in the poll, something like that. This isn't like they started 25th and worked their way up. Is They've had a target on their back all year, and I think that helps them in this regard. Now, Alabama's still Alabama, and I, I, I still think Alabama's the best team in college football this year. But I think Cincinnati's got the enough athletes to compete with Alabama they've got to play a pretty perfect game you know a couple turnovers something like that you know days over and 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 they're going to need some breaks maybe their way but you know I I think Alabama wins but I I think Cincinnati is going to surprise a lot of people I know they're 13 and a half point underdogs I I think the game could be closer than that yeah I don't I don't know how close it's going to be um I think, you know, these games, when they start to get away, they, they tend to get away fast. I, I hope they can stay in the game. Obviously, the longer they can, the more confidence they're going to have, right? But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Alabama has kind of made their living this year, at least, throwing the football, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 
you've got a couple of corners on that Cincinnati team, including the the you know Cody Bryant, the Thorpe Award winner. Except they, he's the second best cornerback on the team. Sauce Gardner's yeah, the best one. I he know, just, right? Nobody throws to him, so that's why Kobe Bryant <laughs> wins right. the Thorpe Award. Because he got all the ops, yeah. And so, but they're going to be they're going to have to throw, they're going to throw at Sauce a little bit, right? Um, Alabama thinks they can throw at anybody, mm-hmm. and it's going to be interesting to see if those guys can make plays on the ball, and if they can, you know, if they can cover up some of those wide receivers, that's what Alabama wants to do. I mean, you know, against what was it against Georgia? They threw for 450 yards and three touchdowns, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they, you know, they're a passing offense, and they, that's how they score points. They score a lot of points, and they're a passing offense. So if you, can get a, if you can get a ball or two played on, right, if you can make a couple, you know, an interception or, or, or you know, something like that and, and be competitive from that standpoint, then, then you know, Alabama's going to have to, you know, find other ways. But, you know, look, the long, you know, the depth of Alabama. Obviously, they're going to wear you down. Um, their defense is really, really good. You know, so this is a this is a not really David and Goliath, but it would be a monumental win, right, for a Group of Five mm-hmm. team to take down take down in Alabama. But you know, it wasn't that long ago I watched an Auburn team that isn't considered a you know a national power this year, and I know it was the Iron Bowl, but Auburn had them. Like they flat out had them, and we, you know, maybe be talking about a different seed or whether Alabama would have made it at all. So there's some vulnerability there, you know. And they had a backup quarterback; they didn't have Nicks in the game in that in that instance. Like, you know, so anything is possible. These are still games played by young adults, and anything can happen. I hope it's competitive. I hope it's it's close. I I I can you know read the stories now about how you know. Cincinnati, but but to your point, Cincinnati couldn't lose. They've been playing playoff games almost all year. Mm-hmm. They knew they couldn't lose a game to make it this far, and they didn't. I, I yeah, I, that's and that's the whole point of you know everything Luke Fickle's done in this season to you know going to Notre Dame, going to Indiana. Turned out Indiana wasn't as good as you hoped going into the season. Yeah, um, going through the conference, every game you had a target on your back. You know mm-hmm. now the one thing that Cincinnati struggled with later in the season was slow starts and they can't get off to a yeah. slow start against Alabama. No. You know, you don't have to necessarily score on your first drive. Yeah. But three and out's not good. You know, you've got no. you you can't you can't ease into this game. You've got to come out firing. And and you've got to take some chances against it. You know, I think you're going to see you know a wide open Cincinnati attack. You know, I think they have to. You know, you can't hold anything back in this game and I mean it's cliché of course, but you know, I, I think it's it's America's going to learn about Cincinnati at this point and the program that Luke Fickle has built there, and it's you know it's really been being built for thirty years. But and why Luke Fickle is a candidate for coaching jobs, or always mentioned at least, you know mm-hmm. whether he's you know he's turned some down Michigan State last year among others. Um, I mean, Cincinnati's a really good football team, and and how they've taken these you know three star athletes and made them you know. They could have two or three first round draft picks this year. Yes, yeah. You know Sanders on the defensive line, Sauce Gardner, um, mm-hmm. Jerome Ford's going to get drafted, not a first rounder. Uh, of course, everyone refers to him as the Alabama transfer, and he's right here from Tampa. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, Cincinnati's got a lot of you know, as as Matt Baker likes to talk about it, they, they got, got a lot dudes. Of, they got dudes, and not as many yeah. as Alabama. I don't think anybody does, but they got dudes. Right. You know, they're right. not nearly as deep. They're not as deep. Yeah, but they've got some dudes. So. 
Yeah, and that's how Alabama wins. They they wear you down. They've got you know four stars behind the five stars and and guys that can't get on the field because the guys in front of them are going in the top round of the draft. But uh, again, it, it I, I think it'll be fun to watch to watch that game. The one that I think is going to be more competitive just going in is Georgia and your Michigan Wolverines. You got attachments to both these teams, obviously Cincinnati and Michigan, um, but. The thing I'll say about Georgia, and I love Todd Munkin, and I think he's going to have a great game plan, and, and, and Georgia's defense is just outstanding, right? But their quarterback, Stetson Bennett, I think, you know, against the better team, against Alabama at least, was not good. And if that Michigan defense, led by the runner-up to the Heisman Trophy, can get some early pressure and, and, and knock, him, you know, knock him around a little bit, of course, hits on any quarterback tend to add up. Um, it will be interesting to see how he handles it. You know what I mean? Like, and they still got. I mean, if they had to, they still got JT Daniels on the sideline. But they're gonna they're gonna go with Bennett. He got him there, and they're gonna stick with him. But he's coming off his worst game of the year um, in the SEC championship, and he needs some redemption. And this this is a Michigan team that has given a lot of teams trouble, including a Ohio State quarterback who is probably way more talented than Stetson Bennett in CJ Stroud. I, I like Michigan in this game. I think I think a big key, and, and we'll, we're not going to know till probably close to kickoff. Uh, their five star yeah. safety, Dax Hill, is not with the team. He's not in Florida. Mm-hmm. His brother, who's on the Ravens, has been tested positive for COVID. the The thought is he's tested positive for COVID, but will be out of protocols by game time or by gotcha. today. Uh, Jim Harbaugh wouldn't confirm where he was or if he was available. So the thought is is you know he'll be he'll be with the team in time, which will be a huge you know if they didn't have Dax Hill, that would be a huge loss for them. So um yeah. I I I just really like the way Michigan's playing. Um you know, everyone saw the Ohio State, you know what they did to Ohio State. But then to follow it up the next week and how they crushed Iowa. Yeah. You know, they yeah. didn't let Ohio State become the season for them. Right. They came out and handled their business quickly against Iowa and you know, I, I just like the way that happens. And, and, you know, you wonder, I saw Reese Davis talking about this with Scott Van Pelt on, on SportsCenter last night. And, and Scott Van Pelt was of the, the thing that, you know, Georgia, okay, they got that loss. It wakes their team up, you know, allows Kirby Smart to get their attention. And Reese said, well, but what if it's Alabama's in their head and now their confidence is shaken? Because Alabama's yeah. killed them again. And they keep doing it year after year after year. You know, right. does that, is Georgia coming in this game confident? You know, and that that I think we'll find that out early. Uh, you know, I, I'm Cade McNamara is not a great quarterback, but what they expect him to do and, and what he does for them, he does very well. And, and I like the quarterback, Matt. I mean, I think Spencer Bennett's a better quarterback than Cade McNamara, but for the offense and what they're trying to do, I think Cade McNamara will be the better quarterback in this game. Well, the one thing I know, uh, and it, it's sort of been the the personality of Michigan this year is that. They don't change. Like they're going to be physical on both sides of the ball, and and that wins in football. I don't care what level you're talking about, whether it's youth league. And there was a time when I thought, okay, you know, he needs a better offense. He needs more spread option. He needs, you know, they need to, you know, throw the ball. You know what? Michigan is Michigan this year, and they've done it the same way all year long. And that is. They maul you at the line of scrimmage. They win the line of scrimmage. They beat back Ohio State like crazy on the line of scrimmage on both sides. And if you can do that, 
if that's your personality and it seems to be Michigan's, you can win a lot of football games that way, man. That I mean, at the end of the day, that's going to determine who wins and who loses. And I know, I know that Georgia's front on defense is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Like they're very, very good. Um, but I'm not discounting that Michigan doesn't care because <laughs> I don't think they care. Michigan is going to be Michigan. You know what I mean? They're going to come out and they're going to try to impose their will, and it's going to be a it's going to be a bloody game. They're going to try to drag you into a bloody low scoring game. And if they're there in the fourth quarter and they got any momentum at all, watch out. And I do think that Georgia could have some doubts uh, because of what Alabama did to them. I don't think it's a good thing that you're you know you could say, well, they got your attention. Nah, look, there's doubts in their minds how about how good they are, how good they really are. Well, and it wasn't that you lost; it was you lost bad. How you lost? Yeah. yeah, you got killed, right? And that that might be a bad taste in your mouth. But you're not playing Alabama this week. You're playing another team that has you know national championship aspirations, and it's been a minute, right, since these guys have been this far. And I don't, I know Michigan's not going to shrink from the moment. You know, this is a really good Michigan team that's beaten good teams. And I mean, you 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 take Ohio State and then do what they did the next week. I mean, they have momentum and they know who they are, and and they've got elite players at at primary positions i i like michigan i'd love to see harbaugh get into the championship i think it'd be fun to have the big 10 in the championship and not just have a rematch of the sec championship game um so that's the one that i'm with you i i don't know what's going to happen i think cincinnati might be a little over their skis Mm -hmm. just because alabama is alabama but the michigan georgia game i think is a very even game and i think either team i think this one is going to be the one that's the most competitive uh tonight all right, as we uh, do this podcast, of course, the Lightning had a game at Florida. Uh, they're going to they're going to host the game. I'm going to this New Year's Eve game today, Steve. I don't know what I was thinking, but um, it's, it could be kind of fun, right? It's over at, what, 9, 30, 10 o'clock, so I have plenty of time yeah. to make it back by midnight and, and run, ring in the new year and then catch a plane up to New Jersey the next day. Um, but the Lightning are getting some guys back, and some guys are headed out because of COVID, right? Yeah, so before Thursday's game, head coach John Cooper and Pierre Edward Belmar return because the NHL adjusted their protocols to just a five-day uh, mm-hmm. quarantine now if you're asymptomatic. Right. Uh, but three, uh, two more players and a coach went on. Franz Jean, the goaltender coach, now in, mm-hmm. in COVID protocols, as is Taylor Radish and Cal Foote. So Darren Radish well, it made huh. his debut last night. Now, we're taping wow. this before the game, so but he's a defenseman. He makes his NHL debut. So, But John cool. Cooper back behind the bench and – uh, possibly now with the five-day window, I believe Vasilevsky could be back by Sunday. It's game at New York against the Rangers. That's incredible. Yeah, they'll definitely could use him back for sure. And you know, Braden Point, of course, made his debut after the long, long uh, time off and had his two goals and assists. So um, I'm not worried about the Lightning. I think they're only going to get stronger as they as they get some of their players back. They've been playing some games that probably they they didn't deserve two points, but. Uh, that's been their thing, right? Find a way, and, and they continue to find a way. So um, hopefully they won't have too many more illnesses and, and uh, things from COVID, which is still affecting everything from bowl games to the NFL. So should be an interesting weekend of uh, not just uh, the NFL football, college football, of course. We'll find out who's going to be in the national championship game, the Lightning, uh, on the weekend as well. Hey, have a safe, and let me emphasize, a safe and happy New Year's Eve for those of you who are going to venture out, or even if you're staying at home, be careful. Um, and we want to see everybody in 2022. 
want to thank you guys for another great year of uh, listening to this podcast. I get so many text messages and and uh, you know notes on Twitter and different places of uh, of, of all our our listeners, and it has grown. and And we are we are thankful for each and every one of you. We want to see you all back here in 2022. So for Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. 